I wanted to um, talk about imagine. Imagine. And you guys know me, I like quotes. And I found a lot of quotes, but I couldn't use them all. So I'm just going to read a few quotes that I thought would be good uh, for this lesson about imagination. Imagining is, is the topic that I want to concentrate on. The first quote is from Albert Einstein. And he had a lot of quotes about uh, imagination. But in this one, he says, imagination is more important than knowledge. For knowledge is limited to all we now know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. A songwriter, John Lennon, wrote, reality leaves a lot to the imagination. If you think about that, reality leaves a lot to the imagination. Then Khalil Gibran says, there is a space between man's imagination and man's attainment that may only be traversed by his longing. And then finally, Jamie Polinetti says, limitations live only in our minds. But if we use our imaginations, our possibilities become limitless. I have spoken often about the power of our speech. Talked about that a few times. But the Bible clearly tells us that the only thing that can proceed from the mouth actually has to start from what the Bible says, the heart or the mind. He tells us that in Matthew 12 and Luke uh, 12 and 34 and Luke 6 and 45, that whatever proceeds out of the mouth, it begins in the heart. It's the heart that can breed corruption and evil speakings. It is in the mind, which is also referred to as the spirit and sometimes the soul, where our destiny is determined. When we think about the battles that we face, and I'm talking spiritual and mental battles, they all ultimately end up in the mind. The writer clearly says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against principalities and, and uh, evil spirits. So the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2 and 11 that our fleshly lusts war against the soul. It doesn't war against your flesh. The soul being the resulting combination or the uniting of the body and the spirit. This is consistent with the fact that our bodies are influenced and animated by our spirits. So when it says that fleshly lusts war against the soul, he's saying that the idea starts in the mind is meditated upon, a plan is conceived, and then the mission is carried out. We see this in Colossians 1 and 21. He says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. He brings in the works, but the real battle was really in the mind. Yet now hath he reconciled. You were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. So notice that our actions are always directly linked to the mind. I want to pick up James on this thought because he really connects the two. Let's get James 1, and you guys can read along with me on that one. James 1 and 13. 
And this I'm, I'm reading from the Living Bible Translation. He says, and remember, when someone wants to do wrong, it is never God who is tempting him. For God never wants to do wrong and never tempts anyone else to do it. Temptation is the pull of man's own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions and afterwards to the death penalty from God. So don't be misled, dear brothers. So in this, we have what I like to call the conception of sin. And here's the order. He says, allowing your own lust to draw you away. Draw means to drag forth. Our lusts drag us. They don't lead us. They don't guide us. You got to remember the, the difference between God and Satan. And then he says, once you're drawn away, you're enticed. The word entice means to bait or to catch by bait, to beguile by flattery, to allure, to entice or to deceive. That word bait or entice when it deals with flattery, isn't that how a lot of the immoral sins of our lives start? Flattery. Then when you're lust, it conceives. Notice the order. Temptation is the pull of one man's own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions and afterwards the death penalty from God. I'm going to go to the King James Version so I can break it down the rest of the way. The King James says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived... Now we're getting into the birth process. And we should be able to understand that, being humans. The process of conception, number one, you need a seed. Number two, you need an egg. Number three, you need a designated location or an atmosphere in order for the seed to penetrate and for the embryo to grow in. And then number four, you need an umbilical cord which ties you to the thing that was conceived. Now we're, we're, we're tied. See, sometimes we think that we can conceive sin and not be attached to it. We think that we could do our dirt, walk away, and, we, you know, it, it's no longer attached. This is why Paul says that when a man and a woman lie down, those two spirits come together. You may get out of the bed, wipe your mouth, clean up yourself and all that stuff, go on about your business, and nobody knows the better. You look nice in your suit the next day and, you know, you got on your pretty dress, but your spirit was connected now. There's an umbilical cord attached to that. Don't think that you're going to be free from that sin. It has a consequence. And then the offspring of sin is death. So you lay down and you've had fun. And when we're talking spiritual now. You, you, you've laid down and you've had fun and now you've given birth to a good bouncing baby sin. Now that sin has got to grow up. It, it's been introduced into the elements. It's been created because of your imagination that started the whole thing in the mind. That's how powerful our minds are. The things that, that can be created with this mind is so astounding. 
So this is why we feel empty, because in the end, we realize we, we've just given birth to death. So I want to go through some definitions for the word imagine and imagination. We'll start with the dictionary. It means to form a mental image or concept. It also means to suppose or to assume. It's something that's not there, but you, you are supposing and assuming that it's there. The word imagination is the faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. It is the ability of the mind to be creative and resourceful. It is that part of the mind that imagines things. Now, when we get into the Bible, and particularly I'm dealing with the Old Testament here, and then we'll get into a couple of New Testament scriptures at the end. The word imagination, and I didn't do the plural form of it, but it's probably found more even with imaginations, but I just did the singular form. But it's found 14 times in the King James Version of the Bible. Four times it is used, the, the Hebrew word that is used is yester. And then nine times the Greek word that is used is shiriruth. The first one, yester, it means a form, figuratively conception, to frame a thing or the thing framed. Imagination, the mind, to work. When we think of, of pottery, we, we think about that potter who puts a lump of clay on the spin wheel and out of that little lump, he can make the most beautiful vases and plates and dishes out of it. But it was his creative force, his imagination that led his hands to, to guide it into the shape that he had in his mind. We can see what's in the potter's mind by what he creates. We can see what was in God's mind by what he created, because his creation is an extension of his imagination. So while the word occurs and is synonymous with the words create and make, in a number of passages, its primary emphasis is the shaping or forming of the object involved. Another word that brings in from Yester is purpose. In other words, is the potter just making this thing just because? Or is he making it for a purpose? Is it going to serve a purpose for the one who's going to come and purchase that thing from him? I think that too many people mindlessly do things. We, and we say things, it just happened. I really wasn't thinking. Why'd you do it? Just because. Just felt like it. This other word, Sherry Ruth, in the sense of twisted, firm, obstinacy, imagination, lust. And remember that, that, that word obstinate means stubborn. Stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or chosen course of action, despite attempts to persuade one to do so. Stubbornness, hardness, or firmness. That's amazing that the writer would render both of these words, which in my mind don't have anything to do with each other, as imagination. On one form, we have the creative mind. 
He's creating stuff. He has purpose. There's, there's something to it. And then on the other hand, the same word in it has stubbornness, firmness, a refusal to change the mind. The mixture of these two words being rendered as imaginations is extremely intriguing. The Bible seems to imply to us that the likelihood of evil being the result of our imagination seems pretty certain. There seems to be a slippery slope with the power of our potential creative powers. Now, remember, I, I, we talked about this so many times before. God created man in his image and after his likeness. So if he was a God of creation, then he created mankind, which was mankind of creation. He even told them, I'm not going to name. I'm not going to spend all this time naming everything. Adam, I'm going to leave that to you. You name these animals and these places and these cities and these lakes and whatever you want to name it. You name it that I'll I'll give my creative process over to you and then I will respect what you do. We can now look at our present day and see what the power of imagination has done. The Bible told us that in the last days that knowledge would increase. And we've reached unprecedented levels of knowledge. Just, just think, we, we have uh, supercomputers. We have smartphones. We got smart cars. We got chip implants. We, we got satellites beaming uh, signals to us all day long. We have modern med- medical procedures where, where years ago where they would cut you halfway open. Now they could do a little pinhole and stick an apparatus in you and fix what's internally wrong with you. And you, you can barely tell that you had surgery. But we got to ask ourselves, what has all this produced? Let's go back to that word purpose. What has the smart car and the smartphone and the Internet and the social media, and we celebrate the minds that created these things. Steve Jobs is such a creative genius, we say. But what what has it created? What, What has been the purpose? What do we really get out of it? So God wants our imagination to reflect his will and purpose in the earth. Now, we got to understand that creation almost always results in worship. Simply put, imagination leads to invention or creation, and invention or creation always affects worship. Usually when, when something is created, that which is created will worship that which created it. This is why a lot of kids pretty much worship their parents. In their eyes, there's no one bigger, badder, tougher than their parents. Or if it's not the object that's doing the worshiping, we will take note of the object. And through worshiping the object, we're ultimately ultimately worshiping the one that created it. So everybody wants to be like so-and-so. Look at the athletic world. You got people that... They have no athletic capability whatsoever. That's not going to stop them from going and buying some Jordans and getting a jersey with the player's name on their back. They might even go down to the local basketball gym and try to act like they're Kobe. 
Well, it's something in their mind because, because of the whole uh, frenzy that has been created behind that name. So this got me thinking that we really should be taking a daily inventory. That's funny because even the word inventory has the word invent in it. And this is what stores must do in order to stay profitable. They have to take into account, number one, what did we start with from the manufacturer? We had an order with the manufacturer because we had, we wanted to make sales. We brought that in. We hired a crew. We, we hired salesmen. We hired people to pitch the product. We, we may have made commercials to sell the product. And then the customers come and start to buy their product. Well, as that product comes in, uh, uh, goes out the door as they purchase it, I've got to keep a steady flow coming back from the manufacturer. But the only way to do that is to, to take a nightly, a weekly, a quarterly inventory to see what am I selling? What do I need? How much more of it do I need? What am I not selling? I need to cut that back. So in the morning, I think we should be asking ourselves, what purpose do I want to serve today? And then because we're creatures of such short-mindedness, I think that we need to stop in the middle of the day and really think, what purpose am I serving right now in the middle of the day? And then when we get home and go to bed, we got to ask ourselves, what purpose did I serve? And then when those three don't line up, then we really need to reevaluate why are we getting up every day? We, we realize that we're in the world. We're not of the world. We're in the world. We have to do our job duties on the job and everything. And this don't mean that we got to be evangelizing Christ 24-7. But our lives should reflect some purpose of Christ perpetually. Not just a one-day deal. So an honest assessment of our intended active and accomplished actions will determine who, in fact, we are worshiping. If we get to the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the quarter, the end of the year, and the only purpose we served was our own, our husband, our wife's purpose, our boss's purpose, our pastor's purpose, you, you have not found your own purpose in God. Your imagination is, is, is not right. Your, prog- your product is not going to be acceptable to him. This doesn't fall in line with his purpose for creating and redeeming us. We must not stay steeped in our wicked imaginations. But we must align ourselves with his will. So we must change how we imagine. We got to go back to the initial process of what do I have in my mind because it's what I have in my mind that's going to determine the product that's created at the end of the day. So with that, let's get Genesis 6. Now let's get into some of these Bible characters and see this in action. And I'm going to read verse 5. And first I'm going to read the complete Jewish Bible version. Adonai saw that the people on earth were very wicked, that all the imaginings of their hearts were always of evil only. 
The King James Version says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, I always read the King James Version along with any other version because he really put some words that we probably wouldn't have inserted in here. It almost seems a little redundant. Some of it almost doesn't seem like proper writing because he says the imagination of the thoughts of his heart. Not just the imaginations of his hearts, but his heart has thoughts and his thoughts have imaginations. See how mindless we think of things? And that those imaginations were only evil, but it was, on, it was an evil that was perpetual all the time. So it, it's kind of hard for us to believe there wasn't a mixture of good and bad. You know, there weren't some good inventions. They, they didn't come up with some good things. It was only evil. So why are our imaginations so consistently evil? Why aren't we more attracted to the positive creation? Everything that God created in the creative days of Genesis was determined by him to be good. And when he got to man, he said it was tov miod. It was very good. But within the first few chapters of the Bible, that which is created very good produces only continual evil. Now, how did this happen? It's almost as if, we'll put it in our perspective, we would not expect a Toshiba laptop to come off of the Apple line, right? We We wouldn't expect Panasonic to produce, you know, one of these smaller, less quality televisions, But this is what we produce for God after he produced us with purpose. He says, I'm going to make you gods. And instead of gods, you produced idols, which are no gods. You produce something that can't you, you have the power to create more gods after you. But you creating idols with no purpose. They're empty. They're shallow, which is why you're always wandering around trying to find happiness. What happened to your imagination? I mean, people have made ad campaigns off of this word, imagine. You're an advertiser. You, I mean, it's a key word. It does just imagine. We write songs about it. Genesis 11. Here's one of the problems. Genesis 11 and 1 through 6. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. 
And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. That's powerful in itself. He didn't just look. He came down. Which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. And they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So we got a note here. God never inhibits divine principle. He may do other things to counter some stuff, but he will never interfere with his own principle. And the principle that is at work right here is that what was in him, he had put in them. He was not going to stop their creative process because it didn't line up with his. What he did was put consequence to it and then make them deal with the consequence of what they did. Well, you would think, isn't this a good thing? We got people, they flock to one place. Isn't it good that we should build it up, you know, make it nice, put some Starbucks around and, you know, build a grocery store, let everybody come and, you know, have an office building for everybody to come to work. That was all fine. But notice what they said. They said, let us make us a name. What was the purpose of the imagination? What was the imagination of the thought? The imagination of their thought. Their thought was good. But the imagination of their thought was wrong. The purpose of it was that I want to be recognized. It was the spirit of Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Me, myself, and I, that's all I got in the end. And that is all you'll have in the end. But if, if you want God, if you want the Savior, Yeshua, in the end, then it can't be about you at all. And this is where ministry's gone wrong today because it's all about me. When is it my season when is it my turn? When is it going to be my turn to, 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 to you know, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for me and I want to go down to the car dealership and get my new car and I want to go to the real estate agent and I want to get my mansion because, you know, I, I'm his chosen. Me, 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 me. And then after all, t 10 years of me, concentrate on me, then you say, oh, the Lord blessed me. Really? So they wanted to make themselves a name. He allows us to operate in the creative power we inherited from him, but there are consequences to that creator freedom. Ephesians 3. And this one I'm going to read from the NIV. This one blows my mind. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now I want to pick up something here because as we've been known to do, we tend to stick a little word in here. Let me get the King James Version for that real quick. That version says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now, 
The word that we have stuck in there, and we'll quote it, now unto him he's willing to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That little word could. We stuck in there. Paul is not addressing what you could ask or think about. He's, he's talking about what you actually ask or think about. See the difference? This is not the possibility of imagining something. He's telling us that you don't ask or you don't even imagine these things. It's not about what you could imagine. He's talking about God's ability. Now, if you go a few verses above this, he's praying to them that they would understand the depth, the height, the breadth, how deep, how wide. And then he says, as God's children should. And then he follows up with it. You don't even ask him or think that you can understand his love. He talks about the power of God. He's willing and able to do exceeding not just what you want, but above all you want. Not just above all you want, but abundantly above all you want. Not just abundantly above all you want. Look at all of the qualifiers. We got all, above all, abundantly above all, exceedingly above. But we haven't even asked him for the regular all because we can't imagine it. Our minds won't go there. Our minds can run to this other stuff. We could, we could build us a name. But God's love for me, I can't really imagine that. I don't know why he loved me. I don't know. We write songs. I don't know why he cared, but I'm glad he did. The Bible told you he is love. That's why he loved you. You're telling him, after he loved you, how unlovable you are. What kind of sense does that make? And then you take that wicked imagination that refuses to imagine God's love for you, and then you apply it to, I'm not, I'm got, I'm not worthy of God's love, but I'm worthy to abuse myself with his creation. My imagination becomes evil because I refuse to take his imagination and forward that and push it through the earth. See, we, we call them computer hackers. Where what, what you would normally go to your computer and try to look up, because somebody has broken into it, something else other than what you really want pops up. That's what's happening with God. He's going to his, his spiritual computer and say, I want to see what my son's doing for me. I, I want to know if he's, if he's glorifying my name. Wait, wait a second. No, he wants to make... Him a name. I've been hacked. We're hacking God's plan when we when we you can't imagine his love, but you can imagine how wretched you are. Why can we devise evil plans and plots and devices that can make us a name, but refuse to imagine the things that God is so eager to do for us? Genesis 18 and 13 says then God said to Abraham, let's look at some folks that, that you know, they, they kind of had imagination, but that imagination kind of soon faded. God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh 
Why does she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for God? Next year, just as I told you, I will certainly see to it that Sarah has a son. God tells him, I'm going to personally see to it. Now, now there's nothing like having a, a problem with a company. And you don't just get the, 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 the receptionist on the phone. But, but you get the, the corporate or, or the, that regional manager. You get the top guy on the phone. Sometimes they make you feel okay. They, they are taking notice of me. So God tells Abraham, this is something I'm going to do personally for you. I'm going to get in it myself, and I'm going to see to it that Sarah has a son. But Sarah denied it. I didn't laugh. She lied, for she was afraid. And, of course, Abraham had to believe God. Yeah, you did lie. <laughs> How many of God's miracles have we laughed at? Not the miracles that we've heard about already. I'm talking about the miracles that he wants to do right now. But because you can't imagine it, he can't work with it because whatever is not a faith is sin. And God has no fellowship with sin. See how God's addition is one plus one equals two. How many times have we laughed? No, you, you, you didn't chuckle verbally, but your imagination said, no, that's not possible for me. What is possible? I could see myself going bankrupt. I, I could see myself dying of cancer. I could see myself being homeless. My imagination can run wild with those ideas. Acts 12 and 9. This one I presented in the lesson called The Two Doors to Your Miracle. I'm just going to pull a little portion of this out. Verse number nine. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a dream or a vision and he didn't believe it was really happening. What happened was that the rulers had just killed John Mark. And he noticed how much it pleased the Jews. So he said, oh, they like this. See, see about imagination. See, and then you get celebrated for your wicked imagination and then you take it to the next step. This is how our government has become to where it is because they got such a, a, a rally behind. That's all presidential elections is about. It's about how can how can you rally to get your name out there? So he said, OK, this pleases the Jews that much. Man, I'm going to go on and kill me another saint. Wait, wait, go and lock Peter up. Now, I know it's the Passover, so I'll wait for it to be over. And then after the Passover, I'm going to kill him. So the saints started praying. All around the region, they all prayed that Peter would be delivered. And here an angel comes and gets Peter out of the prison. And here we see that Peter does not believe it. Peter, the one who said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, the one who said, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Now, the problem I have with Peter here is that this is the 12th chapter. Peter was locked up in prison in the fifth chapter. 
And an angel delivered him out of that prison. So how could Peter deny that it's happening here? It already happened. Because now his imagination is being toyed with. This can't be real. I could see myself being delivered once, but twice? My imagination don't have room for that. that that's a two-time delivering God? What? I don't believe it. Verse number 14 of chapter 12. And when Rhoda recognized Peter's voice. So Peter comes to the house of Mary's, Mary's house. Mary is the mother of John Mark who just died. Now, this woman, you would think she got faith, right? She got faith. Her son was just killed, and now they're about to kill another one uh, after the Passover. Yet, instead of grieving, she goes into prayer with the rest of the saints for Peter to be delivered. And while they're praying, the one who they're praying for is knocking at the door. So Rhoda answers the door. Rhoda, her name means a fragrance of a different kind, a new kind of fragrance. See, that's what we really need to answer the new doors that God's knocking on. We need a different fragrance because the old one is starting to stink. You know, you, you know, some perfume, you can't, perfume smells good, but you can't wear it for seven days. You got to take a shower and put some new perfume on. So Rhoda runs. She hears Peter's voice and she's so excited. She don't open the door. She just run and tell the others that Peter was standing outside in the street and they didn't believe her. Wait a second. You guys were just praying. <laughs> You're out of your mind, they said. And when she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. They must have killed him already. So it must be his ghost, his spirit. So here we have those praying for someone else. The prayer is answered. But neither the prayer warriors, because we like to use that word, right? I'm a prayer warrior. Nor the miracle recipient could imagine that it was actually happening. Oh my gosh. Peter didn't believe it. And the ones who prayed for the miracle didn't believe. What did they imagine? Peter imagined, I'm dreaming and I'm going to die. The people imagine, they get John Mark, I imagine they're going to kill Peter. That's what they imagined. What do you see? What was the sense in praying if we can't imagine receiving what we pray for? We pray. But God says you pray amiss because you don't believe what you're praying for. Your imagination has already disapproved, denied your prayer request. Job had the same feeling. Job 9 and 16 says, and even if my prayers were answered, I could scarce believe that he had heard my cry. Wait a minute, Job. You're saying that if you prayed to God and cried out to him and he turned around and answered you, you're telling me that you don't believe that he answered you because you cried. My situation is so bad that I, I, there's no way I can imagine that God has good intentions for me. 
Job says, even though even if God answered my prayer, I could hardly believe he did it because he heard my cry. So you're saying God has no feeling toward your desire. That's what you imagine. God has no no concern for what you you you, you want. You're treating God like this is not a relationship. And then it goes, how do we see God? And as Natalie said this morning, we have to see even his warnings and his judgments as love. We can't see him just as anger. But we have to see them as love. Because right now, after Jesus got up from the grave, he went to the heaven. And he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. And the Bible says that the heavens must receive him unto the restitution of all things. What does that mean? That means that God has not put his judgment cap on yet. He's still pouring blood on the mercy seat for you, for me. His primary purpose right now is intercessor. But you imagine that God's going to get me. He, he is not your judge right now. He's your intercessor. He is the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's a high priest. What do high priests do? They go to the mercy seat on behalf of the people. They don't come out slinging uh, hammers and shooting people. But how did our imagination get to that's who Christ is now? Our imaginations are so wicked. They're evil imagination. And and remember that that combination, the imagination of our thoughts, of our heart. No wonder the Bible says that the heart is deceitful and desperate. But why? Because my heart has thoughts and my thoughts have imaginations. So Job says, I can imagine he moves, but not because of my cry. We have got to stop worshiping an idea of God. And we've got to start worshiping God. We we can't worship a God that, that we say is able. We have to worship a God that is willing. If we as Christians are going to make a difference in the world... Our imaginations have to be at least, if not more, as active, vivid, and consistent as the evil contriving of those minds who oppose God. If we're going to make a mark in the world on behalf of God, our imaginations have to at least match theirs. We have to have the imagination to believe God as much as they're trusting in the wicked plans that they're Contriving behind closed doors, even right now. I believe some of these conspiracy theories and we work ourselves up into a frenzy. But you got to realize who you are. Their wickedness cannot touch you if you would just have the audacity to imagine God. As much as they're imagining evil with the banking system and the housing system and the job system. My my God controls the universe. Some of us have imagined that Satan is in control. And, 
and I'm, I'm guilty. I throw up my hands. What can you do? Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to imagine that no weapon. For, I'm not just going to quote it, but I'm going to imagine that it's absolute fact that it will not prosper. Not against me. No new reality can be made without our imagination. If you want to change your reality, it's going to have to start with your imagination. Even the gurus understand this. They go around the country just selling this thing. Thousands come to conferences. And they tell the people, if you can imagine yourself wealthy, you're going to be wealthy. You're going to create wealth and fortune. Remember what I said in Genesis? God will never deny a principle that he created. And the reason they're creating wealth is because they can imagine that they could create wealth. So a new reality can only be made by a new imagination. So if something ain't working, create something else. Will you be bold enough to let your imagination run to God? Can you imagine like Paul prayed? Just how broad, how deep, how wide his love is for you. Can you imagine that? Or do you just, nah, he really don't love me like that. Can you imagine yourself getting that position that you don't think you're qualified for? Well, you know, uh, I've only been here a year, so, I mean, these other guys, they've been here 15 years, so, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get that. You, you've just imagined that God can't move stuff around for you and created the reality for yourself. And then you act surprised. You, yeah, man, you know, they just overlooked. What, you, you said you wasn't going to get it. See how this always goes back to faith, though. And, and how fleeting faith is, true faith. It just seems to get away from us. I mean, we try to muster it up. We try to, you know, build ourselves up. Man, I'm, I'm going to believe God for this thing. And, and before you know it, something came and just, just wrecked all your faith. As sick as you are, can you imagine yourself as healthy as can be? Can you imagine yourself overcoming the addiction that you're in and living in victory? Or do you just see yourself... Oh, I know I'm a, it's just going to take one little thing and then I'll be right back into it. And we say that stuff only because it's in our heart. Because the thought and the imagination started there. Can you imagine yourself actually spending eternity with God? Or you just like to sing the heaven songs? They sound good, but this whole you know, rapture thing and the twinkling of an eye and the last trump changing flesh before I can blink. It, I mean, am I the only one that may have been, my faith been challenged on some of this stuff? You mean, really? God. I mean, it's been, you know, we try to calculate numbers. It's 2016 now, you know, 4,000 years from Adam to Christ, and it's been over, 
Maybe it's not going to happen. Don't let the devil take away your imagination. Notice that. He, unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time. That means for those that stopped looking, stopped imagining. I don't know. You think about your past, the things that you've done. Some of us don't have to look very far. Some of us could look to a few hours ago, a couple of days ago, last week. Do I see myself in heaven with God considering my past? Do I really believe that he forgave my sin? If I consider, can imagine that he forgave my sin, then how come I can't forgive my own sin? Can you imagine God not even being able to recall that sin that you repented of? He can't. The omniscient God can't remember the sin that I repented of. I talk about it all the time. Other people bring it up to me all the time. I look to God and God said, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you imagine that? In my last scripture, Matthew 9 and 27, it says, as Yeshua went on there, Went on from there, two blind men began following him, shouting, Son of David, take pity on us. And when he entered the house, the blind men came up, and Yeshua said to them, Do you believe that I have the power to do this? They replied, Yes, sir. Then he touched their eyes and said, Let it happen to you. According to your trust and their sight was restored. Yeshua warned them severely. See that no one knows about it, but instead they went away and talked about him throughout the district. He turns to them. Do you believe I have the power to do what you're asking? They replied, yes. Then he says, touches them. And says, let it happen according to your faith. Why didn't he say, let it happen according to my power? Because without our imaginations, his power is cut off. He simply cannot do what you don't have the faith for him to do. The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't say anything to him. He did not acknowledge her. The touch of his garment dried up her issue right away. And then the Bible says he perceived that virtue left his body because she imagined. I don't need to talk to him. I I, I just all I need is to touch. Now, I believe and this is me. Andre chapter two, verse number eight, that if the Bible of the scripture would have said, and she said, if I could just look at him, I'll be made whole. I believe she would have been made whole. 
I believe that if she said, if I could just, you know, talk to him and hear his voice, I'll be made whole. She would have been made whole because I believe that her situation was like this situation that it happened according to how she imagined it could happen. So I ask you again, what can you imagine God doing? What can you imagine your situation turning into? Do you imagine it getting worse or better? Do you imagine healing or more demise? Do you imagine yourself progressing or just being stooped in depression? God is standing there saying, I I can do exceeding abundantly above all that you actually ask and that you actually think. But if since you're not actually asking and since you're not actually thinking that all that above all that abundantly above all and that exceeding all that goes in the ocean. Because you never ask or thought that it could happen. This messed my mind up. Because this lesson was really birthed out of, that's all God spoke to me was imagine. I had no idea that there was going to be two words that for imagine where one meant creativity and the other meant stubbornness. And how it tied into the evil workings of man because their imaginations were wicked. They devised wicked devices. But the church has to stand up and have just a tenacious imagination as the world. And as they keep unleashing their creations, the songs they create, the TV shows they create, the movies they create, we've got to create things on behalf of God to counter that. We can't give up our creation and say, oh, you know, well, you know. They got more money than we got, and, you know, they, they got more resources. You know, they got a bigger audience. See, see, God's addition and multiplication don't even work like the world. See, he tells us, if we can imagine this, right, one shall put 1,000 to flight, but two people can put 10,000. But we don't imagine that. We just stick with the worldly math and say, you know what, I, I could cast out one demon. But the Bible tells us that the apostles turned the world, not the city, not the county, not the district, not the state. They turned the world upside down. They didn't travel anywhere. They turned the world upside down from in Jerusalem. I don't have to be in Washington, D.C. to to affect policy. My house will be safe no matter what goes on because I've already imagined that the wicked one cannot touch me. I have to believe that to be so. I can't go around and join in on every conspiracy theory and oh my God, my children go and do it. And he's scaring us. I've fallen victim to it, too. I, I said, oh man, I don't know what my children are going to do in California when they get grown. But they're going to be all right. They're going to be good. There's nothing that they can do. Because sometimes we, we lose the fact that God really is in control. 
the imagination. God's looking at us and saying, oh my God, these people won't believe who I am. They won't believe what I could do. They won't. I, I'm, I'm willing to do exceeding abundantly above all that they, could, that they would even dare to ask me, but they won't ask. Please ask. Would you ask me? He's, he's standing there saying, would you believe it? Would you ask me? Because as soon as you ask me, in faith, it's done. Let it happen according to your imagination. Let's look to the Lord. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we're grateful and we're thankful for your word. We're thankful, O oh God, for the words that have been spoken today. We thank you for the hearts that has received them. We thank you, Lord, that we will not leave this place the same way that we came, that you will infuse us with faith, that you've given us the gift of repentance, that if we would forsake our sin and turn from it, that you would heal us and deliver us from ourselves, from the enemy, from the world. We pray, O oh God, right now that as your word has gone forth, we repent of our wicked imaginations, those things that we said you could not do. We repent of the things that we spent hours and days and months and years building up that was not like you. We ask, O oh God, that you would give us the tools to tear it down in the name of Jesus, that we might demolish and abolish everything that is not like you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We ask, O oh God, that you would infuse us with faith to receive everything that you have for us according to your will, that your name, not our name, might be great in the earth, that they, we can testify of the goodness of your power and the power that is in your name. In the name of Jesus, Lord, penetrate our hearts with this word that has gone forth. We uh, cast down every imagination that exalts itself against you. Hallelujah. We cast it away in the name of Jesus. We ask, O oh God, that your name be glorified. We ask, O oh God, that you would allow us and equip us to live in the purpose of your imagination of why you called us and why you set us out uh, and apart from the rest of the world to do your work, to proclaim your name, to reveal your glory to the world. In the name of Jesus, these young people, the middle-aged people, old people, everybody that's, that bears your name, O oh God, we ask, O oh God, that you would use them as ready writers, oh God, that they may go into the schools and into the workplace and to their neighborhoods and make a change by the imagination of your will that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we have to this point failed to ask you to do. We didn't think you could do it. We didn't think you would do it. But we stand right now, faith touching faith and believing, oh God, for this community of believers that you are our exceeding great reward that the things that you have in store of us, you said, I hath not seen nor ear heard, nor has it even entered into our imagination what you can do. But we praise you, O God, that you have done it and you will continue to do it. Even greater works than these will we do according to the faith that worketh in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.